0: On, Go Church family! Happy New Year everybody! How you feel today? Oh come on, if you're glad to be here, glad to be alive, thankful for a new year, come on. All right, here's a little dad joke for you. Some of you I hadn't seen since last year, come on now. It's so good to see all of you today, those of you in this room at our broadcast campus on the south side of Atlanta. Good morning to all of you amazing people at our Westside campus. They're on the incredible property of City of Refuge. We greet all of you. And then everybody at our Montgomery County, Maryland campus, dealing with a little winter snow uh, storm that came through this weekend. I hope you're warm. We're glad to connect with all of you. And then everybody online as well. All right, whatever campus you're a part of here at Go Church, can you put your hands together, greet one another today? Come on. I like that. In the spirit of uh, applause and appreciation, how about we give honor to the men and women serving in the military and first responders? Come on, would you put your hands up? Sir, ma'am, we want to honor you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, keep clapping. God bless you. Thank you both. God bless all of you. Come on, five more seconds here. Really good. All right, as many of you know, we are now day number seven of 21 days of prayer and fasting. These have been genuinely uh, powerful supernatural uh, mornings of prayer and the stories that are coming in from people that are either participating in person or in their own schedule just making the disciplines of prayer and fasting a priority. Uh, for what it's worth, just as your pastor, as, as a part of someone speaking into your spiritual journey, I am tremendously proud so proud of this church and this body and even others who aren't necessarily uh, members or attenders of Go Church, but connecting with us during 21 days. There seems to be a genuine desperation from people seeking God. And I pray this year you would have that desire to go deeper. Now, just a reminder, we're, we're praying and fasting every day for the 21 days. And even though uh, we're completing the first week, how many of you would say amen that it's never too late to start to pray? Come on, never too late. So you can jump right in with us as your schedule allows. Monday through Friday at all of our campuses, we'll meet together uh, for one hour of worship and devotion and prayer and community. Uh, And then on Saturdays, which really seems to be a day that works for so many people's schedule. At this campus alone, yesterday, we had over 250 people for prayer on Saturday. And so we wanna invite you to be a part. I always make you this promise, we start on time, we end on time, just so that you can be in- encouraged through your day and start it off right. So may the Lord bless you and strengthen you as you pray and you fast. How many of you, you, you need a miracle from the Lord? Come on, if that's you, just put your hand up. We just need a miracle. So I'm believing with you with great faith, all right? Today we start a brand new series It'll carry us through the month of of January. We'll take the next four Sundays and unpack this idea called, I was broke, now I'm not. That'll preach, won't it? I was broke, now I'm not. Um, All throughout scripture, you'll learn and see that God is a master in his sovereignty and in his power to take broken things and put them back together. This is what he does. I'll tell you a little bit more of my testimony here in a few minutes, but. Many of you can testify that you were once broken in some area, and God just put you back together. And so, these uh, four different Sundays, we'll look at a few different areas of brokenness that I believe that God wants to put you back together. Because we've all experienced pain and grief and loss and hurt. We all know what it's like to feel spiritually bankrupt or spiritually broken. We all know what it's like to have financial pressure and stress. We all know the pain caused by family. How many of you know there is no hurt like family hurt? Come on. Uh, We we know what it's like to have the emotion and and the the spiritual warfare that attacks our mind and, and what that feels like. So over these four weeks, we're gonna talk about how God can take broken things and put them back together because, and I should get a good amen right here, he is a transformational God. Come on. He is. Now, that doesn't mean that God changes. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though God does not change, what God can do is change our situation. And so I'm praying that over this series that God would change your situation. Surely, almost every single one of us are going through a season in some way, shape or form that we just need God's transformational power so that we too can testify that I was broke, but now I'm not. So today we'll talk about spiritual brokenness and how God wants to redeem us. Next Sunday, we'll talk about emotional brokenness. The fourth Sunday, we'll talk about Relational brokenness—how the enemy is attacking the family—and then on the third Sunday, January 21st, we're going to spend that whole Sunday talking about a financial brokenness. As a matter of fact, I have invited in the president of uh, Enjoy, which is a, a stewardship uh, solutions company, Joe Sangle, to come and speak that day. Joe happens to be the author of a really great book called "I Was Broke, Now I'm Not." Now his whole book is on finances our whole series is not on finances only one week so i'll be here that day but joe will be bringing his testimony content from the book books will be available where here's a guy that literally started out with thousands and thousands of dollars of debt and then just through biblical principles stewarding with integrity got out of debt and god has blessed him tremendously now in addition to that message What we're offering at all of our campuses is a a two hour financial learning experience right after church that day. Uh, Many of you you can go to church, get your brunch or lunch and then come back. Now this is an absolutely free event at every campus. It's free to register, it's free to attend. Uh, This is no pyramid scheme, we're not setting you up bait and switch, not taking up an offering or a capital campaign. This is simply for those of you that you've got some financial pressure, or maybe you've got more month than you've got money. Come on, somebody. And you're just looking for ways to get out of debt, to steward what God's blessed you with so that this year can be different than any other year. This is a a two-hour seminar called Financial Leader, or Learning Experience, rather, taught by Joe Sangle. All right, so scan the QR code. If you don't get a chance to do that in real time, you can go on the app or the website free of charge, free to attend. We just wanna equip you this year so that you can testify in every area of your life. I was broke, now I'm not. Can you say amen today? Come on, that's good, isn't it? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I like to take 10 seconds, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart. And this 10 seconds you just concentrate on the Lord, meditate on the Lord, ask him to speak to you and then I'll pray for it today, here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, here's my prayer all day long that in everything we do, the way that I say it is from the street to the seat, may you be lifted up, may you be honored, and may we bring you glory from the conversations in the parking lot or the lobby to the worship in the room to the message that will be preached. It is to give you honor and praise and to draw people closer to you. It's not for selfish gain or for my own platform or to preach my agenda. This, this is your church. And you said, when we lift you up, you'll draw the people to you. I pray you do that today. There are areas in all of our lives, myself included, that we feel some bankruptcy, some brokenness. And I pray that we would be introduced to and then respond. That's a big, it's a big responsibility of ours, that we would respond to what you're calling us to do so that we can find true fulfillment in you. You tell us, Jesus, that you have come that we might have life and have it to the full. And that's my prayer for this church family in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who gave his life for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. And everybody said amen and amen. Can you give Jesus the best praise you've got? Come on, let's go. (laughs) Woo! Uh, let's start with talking about uh, spiritual brokenness and God's desire to redeem us and give us full life that can truly only be found in him. I could take the, uh, the remainder of my preaching time just to tell you my testimony, but I'll try to summarize quite a bit of my story and my journey as how to eventually I ended up in a personal and growing relationship with the Lord and then uh, much to my surprise and to many people who knew the BCJC, come on, how many of you got that, that testimony, the before Christ days, that I would be pastoring a church? I am a part of a Brady Bunch family. Anybody come from that kind of makeup? So my mom was married once before, and she had three children. My dad was married once before, and he had three children. Uh, when they got married, when they got together, uh, they were quite different in age. My, my dad was 17 years older than my mother, I mean, players gotta play. And so uh, somehow he (laughs) proposed to her. She said yes. And so the 17-year age gap was there. They were married a couple of years. My dad had this crazy idea. What if we had a child? My mom said, you know, I really don't wanna have a child with you being now almost 50, which she was 50 when I was born. And she said, you know, what if as you grow older, something were to happen to you, and then I'm left raising a child on my own, and my dad said something to the effect like, well, the greatest gift I could ever leave you if something did happen were a child. And so they decided to have a child and every day I'm grateful that they did. Come on now. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the caboose, I'm, I'm number seven of all of them and they probably could have had more children but when you have the perfect child, why continue? How many of you are perfect kids? Come on, like you just, you know. Um, so what we, we definitely grew up in church um, I remember that as a kid going, we grew up in the Baptist church and I remember my mom and dad being over the, the youth choir at our Baptist church called the Jesus Connection. Um, I think when I was three or four, um, I, I sang my first you know solo in church as a part of the Jesus Connection. Born again, there's really been a change in me. Born again, yes, I've been forever changed. I was three years old, ladies and gentlemen, you know. Um, And then, as many of you know, as a part of my story, when I turned 13, my my dad did pass away from an unexpected heart attack. He was an over-the-road truck driver, and so uh, this particular uh, summer, he was going to New York on a quick run there and back. I was actually, because I spent a lot of my summer weeks on the road with my dad, I was supposed to go with him on this particular trip, a couple days before the trip, the, the air in the semi, went out, and he said, it's gonna to be too hot to travel in the summer to New York. I'll go there, come back, get the truck fixed, and then you go with me. Made it to New York, stopped in Virginia on his way home, checked into a hotel, told the lady at the front desk, I need a warm bed and a hot shower. I'm Staying here one night, I'm going home to see my family. Uh, middle of the night, called the front desk. They called 911. He had a massive heart attack. So uh, when, I, when I was 13 and that happened, I, I genuinely justified my father's passing as reason to be angry at God and to run from God. Even though growing up in the church, I had great conviction, and I really did, I saw that as kind of my opportunity and moment to just to, to, to live my own life and, and be my own God, do my own thing. And I'll, I'll spare you the details, because I don't ever want to tell my testimony like I'm bragging, because I, I buried a lot of friends that lived the same life that I did. Um, but I experienced things as a, a, an adolescent and a young adult that probably a lot of people shouldn't experience in their life. And so by the time I was 19, we had a series of, of, of deaths, my, my best friend, childhood best friend committed suicide, my, my half sister Donna, she died from cirrhosis of the liver, she drank a bottle of vodka every day. So, so by the time I'm 19, I'm, I'm very far from God, uh, I'm very grateful for a praying mom, but also a mom that... Believed in tough love. And so the life that I was living, the decisions I made, she says, you know, as long as you don't live that life, you can't do that in my house. So I moved out out of my, my mom's home and was living on my own, which I thought I had finally arrived, only to discover that like adulting actually is not a lot of fun, you know? And uh, yeah, so I'm 19. A new restaurant in town opens. I grew up in Tampa and uh, in the state of Florida at that time. Don't know the laws now, but... You could be a bartender and serve alcohol even if you weren't 21, but you couldn't drink it, which seems a little silly. So I got a job as a bartender. Uh, I have a great personality, you know, kind of creative, love people, wanted to make quick money. And so I got a job as a bartender. And that, that's what I did. I mean, I, I probably made more money on the weekends than any 19-year-old you know, young kid or young punk needed. Um, and again, I gotta fast forward, but some things begin to happen. And let me say this to you. When you look back over your life, especially for those who have now accepted Jesus, you can see the hand of God now that maybe you didn't know was the hand of God then. And how God would, would set you up, man, I feel so emotional, but like how God would put people, or God would put these moments in your life that you didn't even realize it was like a supernatural, you know, divine intervention But only then on the back end to look back and to see, man, like, even when I was foolish and running from God, his grace was still there, like his mercy was still there. And so now I look back and I see these moments. so there were these moments, these little moments that were actually significant moments that led me to visiting my mom's church. Now, we grew up Baptist, but at this point, my mom was attending a a spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal Church of God church. Like the freaks, like the crazy, the people that we said growing up, run from them, don't ever get near them. You know, they're the crazy people, you know. She ended up at that church, and she told me, you know, one night that they were having this, uh, this singing at her church, and, and I, listen, it's, it's a wild story, but I told her I wasn't going to go, my car broke down, nobody could give me a ride, the only ride I could get was my mama. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a ride to your house if you go to church with me first. I had no other options. I said, no, I started walking. A thunderstorm happened. God is my witness. So I call her back from a payphone at a 7-Eleven. I didn't have a cell phone back then. I had a pager, come on now. Um, I, I beefed her, 911, 143, hello, upside down. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There's a teenager's like, is he on drugs? I was, so, anyway, I call them like, let's go. I walk into church. Oh, I gotta hurry. I walk into church. I'm late, we're late. And on the stage are these four teenage girls singing a song. They were preparing a song for what is known as Teen Talent, an, an international denominational a talent show that showcases the talent of uh, of students in local churches. And they're singing their, their song. They had made it to finals and they're on this stage, these four girls, and they're singing the song that I'd never heard before, Adonai, Adonai. And these girls begin to sing this song and I felt the the power of God, the Holy Spirit, like I had never felt before. And I just begin to weep, I begin to weep. I didn't get saved that day, but God deposited something in my heart. and, And so I actually quit my job as a bartender and I started working for one of the deacons of that church. He said, J.C., you got a call on your life. You don't need to be working at a bar. Come work for me. I was like, well, what do you do? He said, I own a commercial landscaping company. You come work for me. And I said, well, how much will you pay me because I make good money? He's like, what's minimum wage? So he looked up minimum wage. He said, I'll give you a dollar less than that. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. So I started working for Bill cutting the Orange Hill Cemetery off Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. 19 and a half acres, 47,000 graves. I had one job, start on Monday, finish on Friday. You get the weekend, only to start back over on Monday. The other responsibility was this, don't run over the graves. So I cut, I cut grass. And if you've ever cut grass, some of you do that leisurely and, and you enjoy that. I know I, I do, it's very therapeutic because you get some time to think and to process. And I remember through uh, these few weeks just asking the Lord, and even though I didn't have a relationship, i like, I don't know what to do with my life. I barely graduated high school. Um, I'm living on my own. I wanted to get into the uh, the police academy. I I didn't get accepted. Um, I I don't know what my future, I just left a job where I was making money. Now I'm not even making minimum wage. And I'm too afraid of God to lie to you. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, In the fall of 1999, on that red snapper lawnmower, the, the, the power of God, the glory of God hit me in such a way, believe it or not, that I, I fell off of the lawnmower, and I remember being face down looking up and that little red snapper just kept on cutting. And I laid face down and I wept before the Lord. I repented of my sin, I cried out to Jesus. In that moment, not only did he save me with his grace, but watch this, he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in tongues, just like those freaky people at my mama's church. And then he called me into full-time ministry so after this whole experience, I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like that before in my whole life. I, I got up, and I ran to the closest phone at the, at the, the, the graveyard, the cemetery, which was in like a, a maintenance shed. I called my mom. I told her what's happened. She gets me a meeting with her pastor. So within a couple of days, I'm sitting in front of her pastor. I'm telling him everything and more of what I just told you. And I knew he was going to be like, you know what? You need to preach Sunday, You get up there and just tell the church, and I'll never forget what he said. It wasn't even about preaching. This is what he said. JC, education will never compare to the anointing of the Holy Spirit that now rests on your life. However, education is a tool in your hand as you walk out God's plan for your life and you fight against the enemy. Go get your education. And I said, well, the problem is I barely graduated high school, and nobody in my family, as far as I know, have ever been to college, I would be the first one that ever went to college. And he said, then set the trend. You need to go to school. And I asked him one question. I said, Pastor Mark, all right, what what college did you go to? And he said, I went to Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I said, do you think you could get me in that college? He said, I do. And I started uh, in, in 2000 at Lee University on academic probation. That's the truth. Started at Lee. My final year of Lee Man, God blessed me while I was there. I was learning in my my faith journey. I got a job as a youth pastor, got in campus choir. We traveled the world singing. And then in my senior year, I fell in love with a girl named Kimberly. Met her, loved her. I told her the other day in a text message. I loved you the first day I saw you. I love you even more today. First day I saw her, I loved her. Took her about 100 times to see me till she loved me. But that's all right. We're working on her eyesight, people. Come on now. Uh, we, we, had, we had a quick engagement, quick engagement. Bishop Allen, Dr. Valerie, they were shocked that her, Kimberly was 19 when we got married. Let me say to every 19-year-old girl this thing about marriage, you ain't ready. Come on, parents, grandparents, help me out. But we got married quick, and look, look what the Lord has done. And here, I'll summarize all of that. I stayed too long, but just to tell you, that one encounter with Jesus can change everything. One moment with God. One moment. I, I was at the bottom of my life, at the lowest of lows, bound by addiction, drowning in sin, overwhelmed with depression and discouragement and grief, the lowest of lows, and yet God, who is rich in mercy, reached his loving hand down from heaven, and I wish you'd testify if this is your story too. And he picked me up. Come on, somebody. And he turned my life around, and he placed my feet on solid ground. One moment with Jesus changes everything. If you believe that or you've experienced that, can you say amen? And this is who God is. God, God puts broken things and broken people back together. And when you read about the ministry of Jesus and these individuals and personalities that Jesus encountered that testimony that I just shared with you is very similar. Look at Nicodemus. Look at the woman at the well. Oh my goodness, look at the Apostle Paul. I could almost pick any of the dozens and dozens of individuals who have that type of transformational testimony to talk about today. But I was so moved by this one man that I wanna talk for just a few minutes about. About how this one man, much like many of us, was living in spiritual brokenness, but an encounter with Jesus changed everything. And his name is Zacchaeus. Now, who was Zacchaeus? Well, to start with, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the... For the Lord he had... Don't act like you don't know it. Come on, church people. And when the Savior passed by that tree he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, what? Come down, for I'm going to your house today. How many of you know the song? Come on, you know the song. But Zacchaeus was more than just a, a vertically challenged individual. Zacchaeus was known as the chief tax collector working for the Roman government. That meant that Zacchaeus was head honcho. He was number one in the chain of the Roman system of collecting taxes. The problem with the Roman government is that they were incredibly dishonest, and, 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 and ultimately, they were corrupt. Now, regardless of how you feel about our, our internal revenue service, the fact of the matter is this. The Roman system was way more dishonest than the IRS. Now, let me say to any of you at any of our campuses that you might be currently working for the Internal Revenue Service. I actually love the IRS, and... Uh, All of my taxes are square. You don't even have to look at anything. Things, God, just appreciate you. I applaud you. Thank you so much for the work. Thank IRS. Thank you. Thank you for knowing exactly how much I owe you, but you make me figure it out on my own. Thank you, only to penalize me when I got it wrong about something you already knew. I feel better now. (laughs) But he was also Zacchaeus was considered a a traitor among his own people. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Zacchaeus should have been prosecuted for extortion. He he worked for the Roman government collecting taxes, but he would go to individuals only to take from them far more than they actually were required to pay so he could fill up his own pockets. Zacchaeus was a, he was a thief. Zacchaeus was a crook. I'll tell you what, Zacchaeus was a first century thug. This dude took money from little old ladies. And if you embezzle money from little old ladies, there is a special place for you. Come on. You know these scammers that are taking advantage of our elderly? Man, that frustrates me. And this is who Zacchaeus was. He was a sinner. But you know this. You know this about people in your own circle or people you've heard about. A lot of times, people who are dishonest and greedy and prideful and sinful they become very wealthy. They become very wealthy. And Zacchaeus had arrived on the socioeconomic scale. Zacchaeus had a ton of money. As a matter of fact, there was not one possession, one item, one piece of materialism that if Zacchaeus wanted it, he couldn't buy it. He had that kind of money. But listen to me, it's not on the screen, but I want you to write it down or keep a mental, uh, this mental thought. Even though Zacchaeus' bank account was full, His spiritual heart was broken. He was bankrupt. All right? Let's pick up the story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. I highlighted this yellow just to quickly tell you that if you'll lean into the moments where Jesus is passing through, the spirit of the Lord is moving, where God is trying to get your attention, the same outcome that you'll see happens to Zacchaeus can happen to you. There are moments, God moments, holy moments, divine interventions, where Jesus is passing through. He's walking right through your life, interrupting your plans. And if you'll just lean into those moments, Jesus will change everything. Can I get a good amen? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. And this is what I told you. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now let's pause right there in the story. I'll pick up beginning in verse number three in just a moment. But for the next few minutes, I want to interject just a little fun. Now, I don't know how much fun this will actually be for you, but I think it'll be fun for me. Now, before I go into what I want to share, I want to preface everything with this. Without a question, I'm going to take a little bit of Zacchaeus' story and the history of first century Jewish culture and the Bible a little out of context. Give me a little bit of grace I've prayed over it. I'm seven days in a fast. My heart is pure and Jesus loves your pastor. Okay? Just for a little bit of fun, I thought I'd give you an idea of some of the individuals that Zacchaeus potentially would approach when speaking to them about the taxes they would owe the Roman government. So imagine in your mind's eye that Zacchaeus is out collecting taxes. Is he there? Is he a wee little man in your mind? Come on, somebody. Alright? Now, let's say, for fun, this is for fun, that Zacchaeus approaches a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus is known out of Mark chapter 10 as a, a blind man who would strategically take a location right out of the, the gates of the city of Jericho. And there he would beg for money because he was blind and couldn't get a job. So imagine that Zacchaeus is out collecting taxes. He, he knows where Bartimaeus is. He walks up to the gates of, of, of Jericho. He sees Bartimaeus and he says, Bartimaeus, buddy, it's Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. He says, I, I know you're a blind beggar, but your business is actually profitable. Even the cash money that you get under the table, we, we've seen the Venmo transactions, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. We see the cash app, you're making money, and you owe us us the taxes on it. Now you probably, Bartimaeus, you didn't expect me to show up today, so I'm gonna give you 30 days. On the count of three, everybody shout, 30 days. One, two, three. I'll give you 30 days with interest, but when I get back, you better have the money that you owe us, and then some. Well, Bartimaeus is sitting there blind thinking, "How, how am I gonna come up with money? I'm barely surviving. Well, Zacchaeus goes on about his day. Imagine, he's out collecting taxes. He goes to the home, knocks on a door. A lady opens the door. He introduces himself as Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. And he says, ma'am, I'm sorry to inconvenience you, but it's time to pay the annual taxes. I'm here to collect the money that you owe us. And the woman begins to cry. And she says, Zacchaeus, you you don't even know the distress of our home. You don't even know what we're going through. My husband is possessed by demons, he lives in the caves on the other side of the sea, they call him the maniac of Gadara, you can read about him in Mark 5, and she says Zacchaeus, every day my husband, who was the only source of income for us, is chained in the cave, he claws at himself, cuts himself, and he screams and hollers, we don't have any money, and Zacchaeus says, look ma'am, I know you're going through a lot, and this probably doesn't feel like the right time, but you owe us taxes, So I'll give you 30 days. On the count of three, say 30 days. One, two, three. With interest. But when I get back, you better have the money that you owe me. Oh, Zacchaeus is full of pride, full of arrogance. He goes to the next house, and before he knocks on the door, he notices this beautifully decorated wreath, a flowery wreath. He knocks on the door, and this mama opens the door. You can tell that she's been up all night grieving and crying. And he says, ma'am, I'm so sorry to inconvenience you, but... I am Zacchaeus. I work for the Roman government and I'm here today to collect the taxes that you owe us. She begins to fall on her knees and hot tears running down her cheeks and she says, Zacchaeus, I don't have any money. My son literally just died and I've given that funeral home and that funeral director all of the money that we possess in order to bury our son. I'm so sorry, but I don't have money for you today. And Zacchaeus says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little grace. I'll give you 30 days. And then when I come back, I expect the money to be in your hands plus interest. You having fun yet? Let's go 30 days. Let's go 30 days. 30 days fast forward. Uh, Old Zacchaeus goes back to the gates right outside of the city of Jericho. He's got a little hop in his step, a little song in his heart. He's excited to see blind Bartimaeus to collect the money only to realize that when he gets to the gates right outside of the, oh, I feel like preaching now, only to get to the gates right outside of the city, Bartimaeus isn't there. His little homeless beggar station has been dismantled. So Zacchaeus starts to ask around, hey, 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 where's that Bartimaeus guy? And word begins to spread until eventually Zacchaeus is able to track down where Bartimaeus is. But this time, when Zacchaeus sees Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus sees Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus says, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. I'm a little confused because 30 days ago when I saw you, you couldn't see me. But now that I see you, you can see me. How could I see you and you couldn't see me, but now you see me and I see you? And Bartimaeus says, well, I don't know what to tell you other than about 30 days ago, I met a man named Jesus. Jesus was passing through the town. He called me by my name. Some of my, my, my peers escorted me to Jesus. Zacchaeus, when I got to Jesus, Jesus asked me one question. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, I told him, Rabbi, I just want to see. And Zacchaeus, in a moment, he restored my sight. And I wrote a song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Come on and give God the best praise you've got. Come on, I'm preaching about 50% better than you're clapping right now. Come on. Bartimaeus says, hey, hey, before you go, remember Pookie, my c dog? So Pookie, here's all the money I owe you for the taxes plus interest. Zacchaeus is like, what? But he goes on about his day. He goes to the next house, knocks on the door. This time when the door opens, standing in front of him is a tall, Nicely dressed, well put together man. Zacchaeus says, sir, I don't recognize you. 30 days ago when I came here, it was just your wife. Uh, I'm Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector for the Roman government, and you are? And he said, well, actually, I, I was known as the maniac of Gadara. But about 30 days ago, there was this man named Jesus, Jesus that came on his boat to the island that I was living at, chained up, bound, and, and overwhelmed with the legion of demons, When Jesus came up to me, he asked them to identify themselves, and the demon says, we are legion, for we are many, and and Zacchaeus, I know, I see the dumbfounded look on your face, but let me tell you, it gets even crazier. In a moment, this Jesus casted out over 2,000 demons that were living in me, Zacchaeus says, well, what happened to them? And he says, what happened was, he took all those 2,000 demons and put them in pigs, And you can read about this again in Mark chapter 5. And then Zacchaeus, all those little piggies, that little piggy went to the water. That little piggy went to the water. All 2,000 pigs fell in the water, and they drowned. And now God has put my life back together. He has restored everything that has been broken. I'm not who I'm used to be. I am a new person in Christ Jesus, all because of a man named Jesus. Come on now. And And the maniac says this. He says, and I signed a book deal. I signed a book deal with a guy named Mark. <laughs> it's a tough crowd, Bruce. I signed a book deal and I'm giving royalties off the book deal to tell my story about the goodness of God and how God can can break down every type of addiction and bondage and stronghold and demonic oppression. So as I tell my stories, I've got the royalties. So here's all the money that my wife said we owe you for the taxes plus the interest. Have a good day, Zacchaeus. Be on your way. Come on, if you're gonna clap, let's clap. Come on, you clap while I drink. kiss <laughs> is overwhelmed. He's confused. How can this be? But he's got a job to do. He is, by the way, the chief tax collector. And a few isolated, random, miraculous moments won't derail him from getting the money that they owe. So he goes to the final house. When he approaches the door, he recognizes the wreath is gone. Where's the flowery, greedy wreath? He thinks. He knocks on the door, nobody answers. He knocks on the door again, nobody answers. He's getting frustrated. He knocks on the door again until finally a little boy opens the door. And he says, uh, Little boy, who are you? And the little boy says, Sorry, I was trying to get down from playing video games upstairs. He said, uh, Zacchaeus, do we have a story for you? He said, let me get my mama. Anybody grateful for a praying mama or a praying grandmama? Mama comes to the door. She says, oh, Zacchaeus, you will never believe it. About 30 days ago, right after you visited us, we were literally in the funeral procession. Our boy was in the coffin. He was in the casket. The undertaker was about to put him six feet under the ground. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was a man named Jesus. And this Jesus stopped the funeral procession. This Jesus laid his hand on my son's dead body, on that casket. And this Jesus, in one spoken word, come on somebody. He said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And my son sat straight up, straight up from the coffin, and he came back to life. She says, Zacchaeus, I know you can't believe it, but listen, it scared the funeral home director so much he gave me back all my money for the funeral. So here's the money I owe you for the taxes. Would you say bless God together? Come on. Watch. Don't miss this. Zacchaeus has all the money plus interest. But he can't get his heart off of, not the possession, not the money. Who is this man A a, a blind man now can see. A demon-possessed man has been delivered. A a dead boy has been brought back to life. And this is what Zacchaeus says. I've got to see this Jesus. Let's pick it back up. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Because Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus... Why don't you come down immediately? I'm going to stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus climbed down at once, and he welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people that saw this, they began to mutter. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but let me preach this for about 10 seconds. Anytime that God begins to bless you, there will always be haters. Come on, somebody. There will always be people that are jealous of God's blessing in your life. These people began to mutter. They talk about Jesus. They talk about Zacchaeus. They say, this Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And you know who the loudest voice of criticism was? The religious people. The priests. The Christians. But Zacchaeus stands up and he says, look, Lord, right here and right now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And watch what Jesus says in these final two verses. Today salvation has come to this house because this man i love this too also because he also is the son of abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost i know you've clapped a lot but one more time thank god for his word oh yeah three very obvious obstacles that zacchaeus had to overcome In order to move from his spiritual brokenness to a full testimony of I was broke, but now I'm not. Three areas, watch. The first one is this Zacchaeus had to overcome his pride. He was a rich, wealthy, authoritative figure who had no business shimmying up a tree. You know how foolish he would have looked? You know how crazy he must have looked? Like some kind of animal climbing up a tree? Ladies and gentlemen, this was long before Nike. He couldn't just do it. I don't mean any disrespect to the first century Jewish culture, but he was basically wearing a long dress with little sandals on his feet. And I know it's been a while for a lot of us, but have any of you ever climbed a tree? Come on, let me see your hand if you ever climbed a tree. Like that's, that ain't easy. He climbs up the tree. I guarantee you that his, his hands and his arms and his legs were cut up and he's bleeding. And he's up, he's up in this tree. Why? Because he remembered all of these people who are having this encounter with this Jesus. They're getting radical life change. I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. Even if it means swallowing my pride so that I might just get a glimpse of the glory of the Messiah, I'll swallow my pride. Listen, I'm going to fight every fiber in my being to, to sound mean or mad. I'm not mean or mad. But how many of us, we got pride in our life? We've got areas in our life, and let me tell you, pride can be so subtle that you don't even recognize it. We're so full of pride that Zacchaeus would swallow his pride and climb a tree. Some of you won't even lift your hands during worship. Well, I'm a top executive. I'm a very successful entrepreneur. I'm a CEO. I'm so you're a sinner. You are a sinner in need of a savior. And the only one that can save you is Jesus. Come on. We gotta swallow our pride, lay our pride down. And that's exactly what he did. And let me tell you, pride is dangerous. It's dangerous. Pride is selfish, it's self-centered, it's self-righteous. Pride is having faith in yourself. Instead of faith in God, pride is trusting that you know what's better and you are what's best. And let me tell you what pride will do. Pride will cause you to go in your own way instead of God's way. And you know what? We've commercialized pride in America. We don't even see the the emphasis of the pain and the danger and the sin of pride. So instead of tearing the walls of pride down, we gave her her own month. We've elevated her. Let's celebrate her. Let's honor her. And let me tell you, if you're not careful, I feel the Holy Ghost and spiritual authority like I've never felt. And when we elevate pride and we honor pride, you better watch out and be careful because pride comes right before a disaster and an arrogant attitude precedes a fall. If America does not repent of our prideful self, we will fall to destruction like every great empire and every great government historically before us. Can I get at least 100 people that would agree with me? Pride comes before a fall. But it wasn't just pride he had to overcome. He also had to overcome pressure. It wasn't just pressure of the... The body mass of the crowd, there were a lot of people, thousands of people. By, by this time in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus' fame had reached a feverish pitch. Everywhere that Jesus went, the people followed. I can't even begin to guesstimate how many people would actually be there. And, and Zacchaeus knew, man, this is, this is pressure because he was challenged vertically. Like, if I don't do something, if I don't figure something out, If I don't make a move, I'll miss my moment. Let me tell you as your pastor, and one of the reasons that I'm so committed to the disciplines of prayer and fasting, because I don't want you to miss your moment. I don't want you to miss your moment of radical life change. I don't want you to miss your moment where God turns your whole life around and changes the history and the future of your family tree. There is pressure everywhere, but if you're not careful to swallow your pride and push past the pressure, then you will miss the moment. Don't miss it. The pressure was everywhere, but, but watch, Zacchaeus didn't care. He would say like this, I'll do whatever I have to do to see Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Here's what he knew. He knew that his desperation had to scream louder than anything else in his life. So let me ask you that question. Is your reputation more important than your desperation? Well, I mean, sure, I want more of the Lord, but, but I do have a reputation to maintain. Is this why, business owners, you won't pray over your employees before the day starts? Because, well, I've got a reputation. Moms and dads, is this why you won't do a, a devotion with your family? Because... Well, you know, we got a reputation. I don't want them to think anything. Young people in school, is this why you won't pray over your lunch that they give you in the cafeteria? Like I know I ought to bless the Lord for the food, but I don't know what my friends will think. Let me tell you a couple things. Number one is if there was any food that needed prayer, it's cafeteria food. Can I get a witness from somebody? Come on. No, I think what happens is, 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 is that pride sets in and we fall to the pressure. And watch, and I love this because one of, one of the things that Zacchaeus had to fight through was shimmying up the tree and people recognizing who he is. But then Jesus calls him out. He's like, Zacchaeus, why don't you now shimmy down the tree? And what, what did the whole crowd do? when Jesus called Zacchaeus' name. What's that little guy doing up there? Get down here, little guy. Everybody's looking at him. And what could Zacchaeus have done? I'm not not Zacchaeus. No, he's like, oh man, I gotta pull this dress up again. (laughs) Go down the tree. Let me say this to you, watch this. People start talking, talking about the Lord, talking about Zacchaeus but he was ready to swallow the pride, overcome the pressure. And this is my advice to you. Don't you ever let the opinions of people keep you from Jesus. People always got something to say. They'll always talk about you. You've encountered these people. Ladies, you can go get your hair did and somebody's not gonna like it. Well, I liked how your hair used to be. Guys, you can go buy you a new truck, which you shouldn't do unless you have the money. That's week three. And somebody's like, oh, you got a Ford? I'm a Chevy kind of guy. Some I bought a vehicle one time, they're like, oh, I, I see you got a Dodge. I'm a Ford kind of guy. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You buy me a Ford, I'll drive it. Until then, I'm paying for it, zip it. <laughs> Everybody's got something to say, complain about everything. At the end of the day, don't you live your life for an audience of one? His name is Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You let Jesus be the main thing. You do you. You follow Christ. You grow in your your relationship with him. Don't be so concerned about everybody yipping and yapping like a baby chihuahua. Don't you worry about them don't you focus on them you keep your eyes on the Lord you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness you let them talk as a matter of fact here's what I've learned in about 20 years of ministry and the last uh, over 10 years now of being a senior pastor the louder they talk must mean the more I'm doing right can I get it are you hearing what I'm saying you hear that The more they talk, the more they complain, the more they nitpick, the more they try to find fault. It's because you're doing the right thing. You're pursuing God. You let them talk. But their opinions are not going to keep me from more of Jesus. I will swallow my pride. I'll work out my own salvation. I'll overcome the pressure. I'm living my life for Christ and Christ alone. And my prayer is, is that you can follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. I need you to give a little praise break right here. Come on. I need you to clap. Somebody going through a storm. You've got people saying stuff about you, gossiping about you on Facebook, family group texts. Let them talk. Let them talk. Man, I got caught up in a family group text one time. People talking about me. You know, I wrote back. Oh, y'all right. You all right. I am crazy. I am dysfunctional. That's why I need Jesus. The difference is, I know I'm crazy and dysfunctional. I've accepted the Lord. You think you've got it all together. You bunch of blankety blank foot. I'm just kidding so sorry. Everybody take a drink of water. We're okay. We're doing all right. Overcome pride, overcome pressure, but he also had to overcome possession. One of the greatest issues that America faces is idolatry, the spirit of materialism. We just want more, more. I need more. Can you imagine as we close, Zacchaeus climbs the tree, He climbs down the tree and in moments, now this Jesus, the son of God, is sitting in Zacchaeus' house. 10,000 square feet. Couple pools and a jacuzzi. We went to the Costco the other night. 85 inch TV for like 14 dollars. Come on somebody. And you can make 14 easy payments on it. Interest free for the first 30 seconds. TVs, movie room, I he's got it all. And now Jesus is in that house. Can you imagine what Zacchaeus must have thought? Does this Jesus know how I paid for all this? Does he know that this house was bought by stolen money? That the table that we're sitting at was paid by those old ladies that I took advantage of? That the fish, oh, don't eat the fish, Jesus. You don't know where I got that money from. And Zacchaeus is watching Jesus. And Zacchaeus realizes wait a minute, he loves me unconditionally? Of course, Jesus knows. He knows it all. And yet Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to your house. He says, I must go to your house. And Zacchaeus can't take it. He's overwhelmed. How could a God love me this much? How could a Jesus express this kind of grace with all of my baggage and all of my, oh, that's my story. God, how could you love me? with all the wrong that I've done and the dumb decisions I've made and the people I took advantage of and the people that I hurt and abused and yet you give me your grace? What kind of love is that? And Zacchaeus can't take it. Jesus is talking. The religious people are talking. And Zacchaeus, man, his hands begin to shake. His lips begin to stammer. His his knees begin to knock. And he stands up abruptly and he says to the Lord, he says, Hello! Right here, right now, I repent. Stop, stop everything. I repent, Lord, I'm sorry. I am sorry, Lord. I thought that all of this stuff would give me the the hope that I needed, the joy that I needed, the fulfillment that I needed, the peace that I needed. But, But in this moment... When I look back at those people, Bartimaeus, the maniac, the widow of Nain, when I look back, here's what I learned. And now seeing you, you're the only one that I need. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So Zacchaeus says, I repent, take it all. Call a better way movers. Get them over here, take half the stuff, get it out of here. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, which by the way, he wasn't asking if he was a cheater, He was making a declaration of his old life. I know I've done wrong. I know I've messed up. So I'll do whatever I have to do to make it right. Let me ask you this. One encounter with Jesus changes everything, but it's gonna cost you something. You wanna go deeper in 2024? What are you willing to give up in order to go up? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to lay down? What are you willing to offer, Lord? If I wanna move from spiritual empathy and and brokenness to to having life and life to the full life more abundantly i'll lay down some stuff listen to me all of these things of the world they're temporary they're temporary ultimately what you need the reason you feel that void that pain that grief that won't go away the darkness it's because you're trying to fill that emptiness and that darkness with things that the enemy of the world is offering instead of receiving Jesus as your Savior that can give you the comfort you need, the peace you need, the joy you need, the reconciliation you need, the hope you need, the promise you need. Am I talking to anybody today? Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm over time. I'm so sorry, but let me. I've never parented a 13 year old before this is a it's a whole new world Lakeland is such a good young man genuinely he is such a good kid their basketball team is horrendous but he is such a good young man we've gone through some stuff in the last few weeks is you late at parents grandparents you talk about pressure Look at this generation. Lake's gone through some stuff and he's opened up about some stuff. We've asked the right questions. And a few nights ago, well, maybe about two weeks ago, we're sitting in my driveway. We had run some errands, we're sitting in my driveway. I turned the car off and said, hey, before we get out of the car, let's just talk real quick. I said, number one, I wanna tell you, I'm really proud to be your dad. And I love you, bud. And Lake said this, he said, oh, are we gonna have one of those conversations? (laughs) I said, we are. I said, Lake, I wanna tell you something that I wish somebody would have told me when I was 13. I wish I had a dad at 13 to tell me what I'm about to tell you. Is that every human being is looking for four things, love, acceptance, worth, security, laws, L-A-W-S, love, acceptance worth security and lake at 13 if you'll hear this it will change your life and keep you from so much brokenness and pain and damage listen love acceptance worth and security will never be found in the things of this world they'll never be found in the things of this world i said lake look at me no girl can fully give you what your heart desires And when he gets older and the temptations change, there is nothing that this world could offer that will fill whatever void is in his life. I said, so, at the end of the day, what does Philippians say? The Bible says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. When you feel the brokenness and the emptiness, it's because you need a personal relationship with Jesus. Listen to me, Jesus is the only one. You can have all the stuff you want. But if you don't have Jesus, do you really have anything? Jesus says this today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Watch verse 10. Let's read it together on the count of three. You ready? Verse 10, highlighted in yellow. One, two, three. For the son of man came to seek." For years, I was so confused by that verse Because when I read this story, isn't it Zacchaeus looking for Jesus? Jesus didn't climb the tree. Well, later he did. Jesus didn't shimmy up and shimmy down. Uh, Years ago in my prayer time, I told the Lord, I'm like, I don't understand this. Zacchaeus climbed the tree, Zacchaeus came looking for you. And in the stillness of my heart, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, who do you think planted that tree? It's always a setup. I am the one seeking and saving the lost. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the answer. Would you say a good amen today for the word of God? Come on. All right. Pastor David, you come here. Campus pastors will transition. I'll give you these two questions as you bow your heads, close your eyes. 45 seconds, you're out of this room. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? And what are your next steps? Take a few seconds and we'll pray a prayer of dismissal.